Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn in them to Nehemiah this morning, chapter 2. How many were here a couple weeks back? A few of you were here. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, I just feel, I felt from the Lord just to stick in, to stay in Nehemiah, and I believe there's a series that's happening here, there is, um, we look at what it means to build and to battle, to build and to battle, because I feel like that is the season we are in, in on personal levels, on, on, uh, as a church, little C, as Jose said, and as the church, big C. And so I believe God wants us to be prepared that, to know that in the midst of crisis and chaos and everything that's happening in our world, that God still intends to build some things. And in some cases, rebuild some things that have been torn down, broken down, and are in flames. And so I believe, I'm excited what's happening nationally because as bad as our crisis and everything we've been going through has been, there are people praying. And there's always a sign of times of revival are preceded by increase and a revving up of prayer in God's people. And so we've been maintaining an emphasis on that because we believe that's what the Spirit of the Lord is doing now, and prayer is essential. Prayer is a priority. And so we're going to see that in the life of Nehemiah this morning. But I want to ask you a question. Are anybody in the house, maybe some gentlemen can relate to this, that you've got a list of some unfinished projects in your house? Anyone there this morning? Okay. I was reminded... I was reminded that the other day I came home from work, and, and men, you can relate to this. You get off work, and how many know, men, we operate in boxes? We go from one box to the other box, and so I was in work box, and I moved to relax box, have dinner with my family box, and as we're finishing dinner, but see, my wife was in a different place all day. She had a list that was building. And it's been a while since I had visited that list. So she comes and she, she says, and she's not here. All right, so hopefully I won't get in trouble. But she says, hey, hey, uh, I have some things I need to remind you of this morning. And she said, I, do you remember uh, several months back when I asked you about the dripping shower head? Yes, several months. And that's not my worst one. We also have a fan in our house. And Kyle, my friend, knows this that has been out for 13 years that I still haven't f fixed. So my list, my backlog is, is, is growing. And so she reminded me of that. She reminded me of that in that moment. And um, some of us are better starters than finishers. I have a stack of books next to my, my side table that are in various stages of completion. Anyone else like that this morning? I've got projects that are half done, and so I've, I've learned that if I can afford for somebody else to do it, that's much better because they're more likely to be finished. And so um, I, that's who I rely on. But some of us are like that. In fact, some of you right now this morning may be thinking about some unfinished business in your life, some things that, um, that you've been meaning to do. 
How many of we have intentions to do a lot of things, but there are things that we don't get done? And so that, that, stack, that stacks up over time. And some of us have dreams, aspirations, things that God has put in your heart that you have not seen come to fulfillment yet. But I know this. Um, I know this, that God is a God who finishes what he starts. The Bible says in Philippians that he, he who began a good work in you, how many know it's a good work that God's doing in your life? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. And so um, God finishes what he, what he starts. There are some unfinished projects right now in our lives that he's working on. We are all a work in progress. His church is a work in progress. God wants to do things in his church in this season. He's desiring to build in our lives. Some of us this morning might be in a broken down condition. You have hurt, you have pain, you have disappointment, regrets. The areas of your life where you've tried to build something meaningful on your own only to see it falling down and in and, and disrepair. And there's places in your life a lack of fulfillment and completion. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. It says, like a city that is broken into without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. We have some things. Those walls in our life represent salvation. They represent God's protection, his, his goodness, his provision in our life. And in some cases, it, when we've been neglectful or maybe we've allowed compromise or there's been complacency in our life those walls can be in disrepair and so god wants to heal those and 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 restore those things amen are you guys with me this morning so whatever it is that might be broken crippled or in disrepair in your life god sees it amen God sees it this morning. He understands, and he's willing to come in to build and to restore those broken areas of our lives. How many can say this morning you're a testimony of God building up some things that were broken in your life? He comes and he restores. He's a God of restoration. Pastor John preached so beautifully last week on he is a God of redemption. And so our God of restoration is desiring to do some things personally in our lives I know I've experienced some growth opportunities in the last six months. Is there anyone else who has as well? When we are tested, things come to the surface that maybe we didn't know were there. But if we're humble and we will come before the Lord and offer ourselves and say, Lord, I'm open to you. Do you know, for him to build in our lives, it's not just him doing it and we're passive. It's a partnership. It's a cooperation. Philippians 2.12 says this. It says that to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. How many know we don't want to leave it right there? Because that's not a complete thought. For it is God who is at work within you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So God's working it in, but we're working it out. We're in partnership, working with God and what he's done by his Holy Spirit, newness of life, um, resurrection power in our life that God has in, within us. And so there's a work in us. 1 Peter 2.5 says this, he's building a spiritual house. Somebody say he's building a spiritual house. 
All right, we're going to get you awake this morning. It says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a lot. You are living stones. You're part of something greater that's bigger than you that God's building. His house. I thought you'd get excited about it. You're part of something greater that's bigger than you. The big C, the big church, his people, he's building up a house, a spiritual house, that we would offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to him. And so some of us were like a fixer-upper. How many like Chip and Joanna Gaines? We had some plumbing that was wrong. We had some walls that needed to be removed. We had some rebuilding that had to take place in our lives. Maybe it was not, hopefully it was not structural. But I love those shows, and those shows, I believe, are popular because we like to see something that's broken down, that needs restoration, be made new and be made useful and be made beautiful. There's something in us because we are made in the image of God that believes in a restoration, a restorative God. Whether they recognize it or not, I believe that's part of the reason people like that show. They like to see something broken restored. And God does too. Amen. God is desiring to build his church. In response to Peter's revelation of who Jesus was in Matthew 16, Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, what is that rock? It was the revelation of who Jesus was. Upon that revelation, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades will not overpower it. Praise God. I hope you believe that this morning. You guys are so quiet. I need you to wake up. I guarantee I was up earlier than you. Come on. As disciples and followers of Christ, we have been employed in a lifelong building project to see his church built up, to contribute by building, listen to this, edifying one another. Do you know why it's important that we gather together, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, whether it's here, whether it's in small groups, whether it's in prayer, is that we will edify, build up, and and strengthen and encourage one another, the Bible says, even more as the day approaches. It's closer today than it was yesterday. So the, the criticality, the importance of this increases that you are not just being built up yourself, but you're part of the building plan that God has for others. All right. All that to get to this as we get to Nehemiah. And as I spoke last time in Nehemiah chapter 1, we saw that Nehemiah had a concern for his people and God's people in his city. And upon hearing the condition of God's people and his city, he cried. He wept. He lamented before the Lord because he knew that God's intention for the city of Jerusalem to be a praise in the earth was not being realized. And his heart burned and yearned for his people and his city. How many this morning could say we can feel that for our nation? We are a nation on the brink. 
We are a nation at the precipice of destruction. I'm just going to be honest. I feel like 2020 in America is like living in the Lord of the Rings. And you know, if you're into that, you know what I mean. There's conflicts and battles throughout this journey. But how many know the end is a huge battle? And I'm just going to be honest to prepare us, church, as God's people for what is coming. The battle is not going to relent. It's going to increase. Oh, I said it's going to increase. (laughs) So there's a call to arms, spiritually speaking, in prayer and in warfare. We're building and we're battling. Because many things are at stake. In all the news that happened this week, things are happening so quickly right now. Something that happened on Tuesday can seem like old news. But I want you to note something significant took place on Tuesday. A peace accord between Israel, a normalization of relationship between Israel and two Arab nations. I think that's significant, people. I don't think we can stand by and ignore these things. I remember years ago, we had, we had a guy named Barry Smith who had come minister in this church. He was from New Zealand, so he had a cool accent. But beyond that, I mean, like, I love the New Zealand accent, but I like South African accent. Where's, where's, where's Lorena Sr.? All right, that's my favorite. Um, but he would come minister, and this place would pack out because he'd have up here a big map of time and just the prophetic calendar. And I believe it packed out because people were coming in and they wanted to do one of these. Okay, how much time do I have before I have to repent? <laughs> it would pack out. And they said, that's the point when Jesus is going to return. But I'm going to tell you one thing he kept calling out was a peace accord in the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. As a significant event in the end times progression. So I don't know what it means. I can't tell you timelines. Only the Father knows the epochs and the seasons. Come on. He knows. But I can know it's significant, and it's another sign that we are nearer. So all that. I got off track a little bit. but So background. We find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 2. And so he had a concern. He had a cry. And then he had a prayer of conviction. And as he prayed, out of that prayer and out of that seeking the Lord came a cause. And so that's where we left off. And we come into chapter 2, verse 1, and he's just said before this, at the end of chapter 1, he says, I was a cupbearer. And so I want to remind you what that means. He was a significant position. He held a significant royal position in the Persian Empire. Now, this empire spread from India all the way to the Mediterranean from east to west. It spread from the northern parts of Africa all the way up into southern Europe. And that's how big this empire was. And here is Nehemiah who has access to the king of this entire empire. God has placed him, positioned him in a place of access, favor, and opportunity. So look at, with that, he has learned that the walls have been, come down, they're destroyed, the gates are on fire. You know what walls represent? This. Walls are what keep out what needs to be kept out. I know we have a big, we've, had, we've had in the past political battles over build a wall or not. But let me tell you, when it comes to spiritual, you need to build a wall. Yeah. 
You need to build a wall. And the, the wall needs to be built because it keeps the enemy out. But the gates are where what needs to come in comes in. Psalm 24 says, lift up your heads, O gates. And what? Let the king of glory come in. So when the walls are broken down and the gates are on fire, there's things coming in that shouldn't, and there's things that are not coming in that should. God wants to come in. There were ten main gates in Jerusalem at that time, and we will go through those in a future message. But each one of those gates has a meaning and a significance in your life and in the church. So in verse 1, all that to say this. A city broken down, with broken down walls represents a defeated and shamed city without defense, vulnerable to attack. Rebuilding the walls was a sign of blessing, a sign of strength, and a sign to the enemies that God was with his people. So they were threatened by this plan. Verse 1 says, And it came about in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. And this is where we start. So number one this morning, I want you to see he had a sadness. And this sadness had come from the burden of the Lord for his city. And here's the deal. You weren't supposed to be sad in the presence of a Persian king. It could be interpreted as an insult. So when he says, I was very afraid, it was he notices my countenance is down. He notices there's something wrong. He notices I'm not happy like I usually am. He notices there's something in my heart that's greater than I can contain. Come on. I'm carrying something. And so he was afraid because if he took it as an insult, he could be headless. He had reason to fear. There was protocol in the presence of the king. Let me tell you this morning, you don't have reason to fear when you're in the presence of our king. He loves you. He invites you. He says, come boldly. But this king was not our king. Then he goes on to say, let the king, so how do he, he says, I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? That's why I'm sad, king. I've got a burden from the Lord. So number one, Nehemiah accepted God's burden. And I believe some of us have been, you know, if you've carried a burden from the Lord, you know what this means. When he puts somebody on your heart, he puts a situation on your heart, and it just weighs on you until you act upon it, until you pray, until you find the will of God, until you find what he wants you to do about that thing. Some of us carry a burden in our lives, and we just try to grin and bear it. Everybody there? I see you. I see you. We say, how are you, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm good, Pastor. Great. Doing great. And maybe you can fool me, 
but you can't fool him. He sees it. He sees your situation. He sees what you're going through. And I believe, like this king, the Lord says, why are you sad of heart? Sometimes the burden we're carrying is too great to hide, to suppress, to, to put away. Some of us have a deep, deep pain inside, a burden of concern. A burden is something that is carried, a heavy load, something which is born with difficulty. But I want you to make a distinction this morning. There's a clear distinction between our burdens and his. Our burdens and his. I shared this scripture earlier, but he says, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, because the burden of this world, he doesn't intend for us to keep carrying. The burdens of sin, he doesn't intend for us to keep carrying. He says in 1 Peter, or 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, he says, Therefore, humble yourselves. Some of us just want to grin and bear it and try to get through life. And God's saying, Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Just give it to me. Just give it to me. Quit trying to carry that on your own. I will carry it for you. So he said, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares. Somebody say, he cares for you. You need to believe it. He cares for me. He cares for you. He cares for those little things that you think don't matter. He cares if it's weighing you down. It matters. Guess what? If we are weighed down by burdens, then we aren't available to be concerned with his burden. So he says, cast them on me. Cast them on me. So whatever you're carrying this morning, let Jesus take it. Let him have it. Look, this season that we've been in, these last seven months, have left people weighed down. They've tried to grin and bear it. They've tried to deal with it. But God's saying, give it to me. Quit trying to handle that thing on your own. I thought you'd get excited to get rid of it. Come on. His burden. What are his burdens? You see, God has a burden to see things happen in the earth. His will, His kingdom, His purpose, His plan to be established in the earth. And He will give those burdens to us if we're willing. If we're willing to carry those. And I want to tell you, if you are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this season we're in, you're going to feel some things. There are atmospheric things going on spiritually. There are battles in the heavenlies, and it looks something like the Lord of the Rings thing, I think. There are battles going on for this, for, over the church, over Israel, over this nation. And you sometimes will feel it. If you're an intercessor, you feel these things. But God still has a plan, and but that plan cannot happen apart from obedience, participation, and willingness and submission to what He wants to do. See, when He gives you His burden, it's a concern for what He desires. These we carry with him. Come on. We don't carry them on our own. They are bigger than us. They are outside us. They are for his kingdom, his will to be done in the earth. See, we're carrying a burden this morning for the people of Niger because they're in dire straits. 
We're carrying a burden for different situations going on in the earth. And that's why we're in prayer. And that's why when those burdens increase, prayer has to increase because that's how you deal with that burden. Psalm 69.20 says this, Reproach has broken my heart and I'm so sick. That, that's how David describes it in that psalm. And that's what Nehemiah experienced. The reproach of Israel. It was a reproach for its, its, this city that was to be God's praise to have its walls broken down. It was a reproach for their gates to be burned with fire. It was a reproach to his name and to his glory and to his fame in the earth. How many know there's some things like that today? There's things going on in the church, Big C, that are reproach to his name. And so, God wants to deal with those things, and sometimes that reproach makes those who are close and near to the Lord, makes our hearts sick. And you can't hide it. And so this was Nehemiah's situation in front of the king. But he says, And I looked for sympathy, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. Well, praise God this morning, you have a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the paraclesia who comes alongside us, who strengthens us, who encourages us. Amen? He's in us. He's with us. He's for us. Oh, I thought that you'd get excited about that at least. Come on. Nehemiah was just trying to do his job. There are times when the burden is so great, the intensity and the desire that God has put in your heart prevents you from just doing business as usual. That was Nehemiah's state. So it's important that we recognize it. God begins to, he'll, he'll, he'll communicate burdens to us in different ways. Somebody's name will come to mind. Come on, don't, don't ignore those situations. When God puts a name in your heart, when God brings to mind somebody, pray. I don't know how many times, like countless times, right, Sharon? God puts a name in your heart. She spent all day praying for Pastor John one day for his asthma to be healed. And then went and prayed for him and gone, as he testified last week. But when God puts a name in your heart, God puts someone in your heart, a situation starts coming to mind. If we're sensitive to the Lord, he will give us those. He's saying, can I find a man or a woman who will be listening to my voice, who will be sensitive to what my spirit wants to do? I had a friend who said, every time I get a name, I just start praying for them. Every time I think of somebody, I just start praying for them. I've just learned it's become a reflex in my life. I go, I want that reflex when a name comes to mind. So, number one, he was willing to carry God's burden. Number two, look at this. Notice that it says it was in the month Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. And the scholars believe that was somewhere around March 445 B.C. Why is that important? Why is that important? Well, the Bible says in Ecclesians 3, Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. But listen, in this case, it was an appointed time because Daniel had prophesied, listen to this, to the day from that day, when Jesus would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. So this moment when he gets called before the king and this conversation takes place is not just an everyday conversation, but it's a significant 
conversation in God's prophetic timeline. You never know when you're crossing those kind of moments in your life. It had been four months since Nehemiah had first heard the news. Now, don't think that Nehemiah just sat around and said, God, what? I'll just wait until you're ready. I don't think that's what Nehemiah was doing. I think Nehemiah was in prayer, in communion with God. And how many know prayer is a two-way conversation? Two-way conversation. It's not just me bringing my supplications and requests to God, but it is God speaking to me about His plans. God's speaking to me about what He wants to do in my life and in the lives of those around me. That time period of four months, Nehemiah is hearing from God and getting specific plans for what he wants to do to rebuild Jerusalem. And we'll see why we know that in just a moment. So number two, Nehemiah waited for God's timing. You can get ahead of, time, ahead of God. You can jump the gun. God puts something in your heart. Do you, know, do you realize why sometimes he gives you the plan and the directions in steps over time? Because if he gave you the whole thing, you might just take over yourself. You might just try to do it yourself. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. That's a picture of a foot lamp. That's enough light for the next step. So your walk of trust is not say, God, just give me the plan. I'll take it from here. God, just give me the plan. I'll take it from here. No, no. It's every step. I want some light. I need some revelation to take the next step. That's how my dependency on God is growing. I'm not growing in independence. I'm growing in dependency on the Holy Spirit and on his word to shine a light on the very next step I need to take. He waited for God's timing because if you get ahead of God's timing, you might miss his purpose. There's an appointed time sometimes that we need to wait for. You see, all this time, God has been working in the heart of the king. God has been working in the heart of the king to make a way for this conversation to take place. It wasn't a time of nothing going on. It was a time of preparation and prayer. And why is that significant to you this morning? Some of you have been in a time of preparation and prayer and are about to get released by the king into something new. You've been in preparation and prayer, and God's been putting an action in your life, a plan before you, and now it's time to step into it. Don't despise the seasons of preparation. Wait upon the Lord. Amen? Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. Here was, Nehemiah was an example also of faith and patience, and the, and, and the writer of Hebrews says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. That's God's intent. So that you will not be sluggish, but listen to this, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises oh you guys all love that word patience you got all quiet in here you're like you're like burger king i want it my way now we are right we're the microwave christianity but god's a crockpot god come on i love the crockpot my my, my wife makes amazing food in our crockpot so 
total detour. Um, I'm thinking about food. It's 1130. <laughs> Isaiah 64.4 says this, For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you. Listen to this. Who acts in behalf of who? The one who waits for him. The one who waits for him. We are just, sometimes we are just ready to go, God, I want to go to the next thing. And God's saying, wait. I'm not done with the thing I need to do in you to prepare you for that. You're not quite ready yet. You're still in the crock pot. God's still working on you. He's adding some flavoring, some season. He's doing some things in your life. He's working grace into your life. Come on. He's preparing you because what's ahead of you, you have no idea. So, two, he, he was waited for God's time. I'm almost there, getting there, folks. Nehemiah 2. Actually, look at Proverbs 21.5. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Woo! Will that tell you not to be hasty, church? <laughs> Nobody said amen on poverty. That's good. <laughs> but when we get hasty... We get to broke. Hasty leads to broke. Broke spiritually, maybe broke financially. We get ahead of God. We get ahead of his plan. But David said this way in Psalm 16. He says, I won't be shaken because I have continually put you before me. Continually put you before me. I am following Jesus. He's not following me, church. I think this is a, Christian, a Western Christianity thing we need to get straight. It's not like, Lord, I'm going to present to you my business plan. It's right here. I want you to bless it. I mean, we've all been guilty of this at some point. We said, these are my plans, God. Will you bless them? Will you bless what I want? We're in a discipleship course a few guys and we're going through this book and there's an example of this lady in a conference and she had a blank sheet of paper and she had her signature on the bottom and she said this is the will of God I'm signed up wow would we admit this morning that maybe we put some terms some conditions on just how and which way will serve God? That maybe we've asked him maybe unconsciously to follow us and he's saying, follow me? Maybe we've rushed into some things that God's saying, wait, 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 I'm doing a work in you and I'm giving you a plan. If we'll listen. You see, the problem is when you're hasty, you don't listen. And we get broke. Okay, Nehemiah 2, 4 through 6. I told you I'm almost done. Then the king said to me, what would you request? Hmm. What would you request? Here's that opportunity he's been waiting for. What would you request? You are in front of the king of Persia, the most powerful man potentially in the world. 
And he says, what would you request? I want you to see Nehemiah's character and his posture before the Lord. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Moment of favor, moment of opportunity. Ask what you want. You're my friend. I'm not going to cut your head off. Thank God. (laughs) Ask what you want. He says, what would you request? And before he answers, he prayed to the God of heaven. Number three is that Nehemiah trusted in God's favor. And when you get God's favor, understand God's favor has a purpose. That's beyond you. He says, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and gave me, and I gave him a definite time. Now, how does he give him a definite time, except he's got a definite plan that God's already given him? Right? Significant. So this Persian king had no reason to be concerned with the plight of the Jews or the city of Jerusalem, but he did care about Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's, even the way he responded with a question to the question was significant because he, he appeals to this pagan king's sense of sympathy by saying, my father's tombs. See, God gave him that much wisdom. Even Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say when you come before kings and all these people because I, the Holy Spirit, will speak through you. You see, somebody who's been prepared, somebody who's been praying, who's been seeking the Lord, can come before a king. And the Bible says that the king gives favor to the person who is of humility of heart and gracious of lips. Gracious of lips. His words are gracious. During those four months, God has been moving the heart of the king. God's been working behind the scenes and directing the stream of his heart. Psalm 51, 18 says this, By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. What did Nehemiah know? He knew that he could not rebuild and accomplish what God wanted to accomplish without the favor of God. I thought you would get that. Okay. Without the favor of God, he could not accomplish the purpose of God. Well, duh, pastor. Except we don't live that way sometimes. We're looking with favor for men. We're looking for favor from people. And God's saying, I will give you favor. And when you have favor with God, you'll have favor with whoever you need. See, when you have favor with God and you need to get in, and God's giving you a heart for a community, a neighborhood, a school, or something, then God will give favor with the people who need, you need favor with to get access. God will move upon the hearts. He'll move upon your employer. He'll move upon whoever needs to be moved upon to position you where he needs you to be positioned for his glory and his praise. Nehemiah knew he couldn't accomplish it without God's favor and without his blessing. 
he prayed and he answered the king briefly. Now we have this saying at my work. If you're going to go do a presentation before executives, here's our saying. Be bright, be brief, be gone. (laughs) Be bright, be brief, be gone. These people don't have much time and they don't have much of an attention span. People are throwing stuff at them all day. You have to get their attention, be bright, you have to be brief, and then you got to get out of there. So Nehemiah in his prayer probably even had the wisdom of God on how to respond. If that's the only thing you remember today, come on, I hope. (laughs) Like how a pastor gave us some career career suggestions, yes. Nehemiah 2, 7 through 8 says, And I said to the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to the Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress which is by the temple, for the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them. Now listen to this. Because, why? Because the good hand of my God was on me. That's what it means to have favor. God's good hand is upon you. I, had a, I just have to share a moment I had a couple years back. And many of you were here that day. We had, we had Steve Sampson ministering. And if you know Steve Sampson, he's kind of off the cuff. And he has just moments where he's like on this track and he's teaching and then he just goes, oh, this. So he's in the middle of teaching. I'm sitting right over there, right where Ashley's sitting. I see you, Ashley. <laughs> and my family, and he says, he stops, he spins on a dime, he says, Jonathan, I get hearing from the Lord, promotion. I'm like, all right, I'm listening. <laughs> it says, it's going to come quickly. Oh, this is the best kind of word. It's going to come out of left field, and you don't have to do anything. Okay. Praise God. My company is in the middle of layoffs. I'm going, that has to be you, God. That's the only way this is going to happen. And so through a series of circumstances over a period of three weeks, and I'm telling you, I was happy with my current job. I knew promotion meant managing people, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. Just to be honest. Those of you who manage people understand. But little did I know God's intent, His purpose in this. So three weeks later, My boss goes, I need to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, I know what it's about. Because I'd seen things shifting in the org structure and I knew exactly he was in a pickle and I was the only one who could fill that position. I'm not saying that cogly. I'm literally saying there was no one else who could do it. God lined it up. And what's cool is when your kids are sitting there, they hear the prophetic word and three weeks later, they see it fulfilled. That's awesome. And guess what? That was favor. And I can say this morning and encourage you and exhort you, my career has been marked by God's favor. He has moved things for me. Very few times did I have to go seek things. God was moving things for me on my behalf. And I'm not saying to be passive, but trust Him. Trust Him. And little did I know what this meant. You see, God showed me later. He said, this isn't just about you. Oh, okay. How many know we're going to hear that? Oh, raise. What am I going to do with my raise? Nope. 
That's not what this is about. This is about influence. I am bringing you to a place of greater influence for my sake. What does it say? We go back to 1 Peter. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might, he might exalt you. Yeah. Nehemiah, in the court of the king, favor, access, blessing. There he is. Let me just tell you what. Favor, come on, Val, say it with me. Favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. We live in a world that wants everything to be fair. That's not how God works. Equal opportunity does not mean equal outcomes. Uh, you got quiet on me. All right. Equal opportunity does not mean equal outcomes. You can all be given the same opportunity, but be based on your level of diligence, based on what God's given you, your gifts and talents, you're going to have different outcomes than other people. And you might fail, and that's okay. Fail fast. Get it over with and then move on, okay? That's another saying we have in my work. Fail fast. Just fail fast. But favor is when God's good hand is upon your life. He was able to enter the king's presence because of his royal position. I want to tell you this morning, God says you are royalty. And in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, or verse 16, he says, you are invited to come boldly before his throne of grace so that you might receive mercy in grace in what time of need? Can someone say it's a time of need? It's a time of need. He says, I've given you favor, but it's his doing. It's not because of anything you've done. That access is because of his blood. His, he's made a way for us. When we seek the Lord and submit to God's plan for our life, he will position us where we need to be. A place of influence, a place of access, whatever it is. And you're not limited to in-church ministry. Some of you are called to be ministers in the workplace. Some of you are called to be ministers to your neighborhoods. Some of you are called to be influencers in different realms of society. But understand, it is God's favor that enables you to do that. It's not your doing. If you'll trust in his favor and his grace, you will see him elevate you in the right season. By his favor, we're empowered. Let's stand this morning as we worship team comes. He was sent. He asked. Basically, if we summarize Nehemiah's ask this morning, it's this. Send me and give me. Send me and give me. He asks specifically to send. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning and you have been baptized into his body, guess what? You are part of the church. The church, the big C. And it is the word ecclesia, which means to be the called out ones, the separated ones. But we are also the sent ones. We're also the sent ones. We have a Savior who came to seek and save the lost. And then he came and he empowered his disciples. 
And he says in Matthew 28, 18 and 19, you've heard it before, but we need to hear it again. That address needs to be on our life. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Go, therefore. We are the sent ones. The king sends us. King's blessing, his favor, his authority, his anointing is on you. But it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. It's to build. Not your kingdom. Not your kingdom. But to build his kingdom. You heard Jose say it several times of his kingdom, of his government, there is no end. God is looking to expand his kingdom in the hearts of men and women. Come on, in junior high campuses, in high school campuses, in workplaces, in neighborhoods, in communities, across the nations of the world. So he says, go therefore and make disciples. As we press in and we look at what discipleship means, understand it used to mean Christianity and discipleship were synonymous. But I want to tell you this, it's not anymore. Because the true disciple has taken that blank sheet of paper and signed it, says, here I am, Lord. The true disciple stands before the king and he says, what do you request? And he doesn't answer out of his own will, out of his own purpose, out of his own plan. The true disciple says, Lord, you've given me this opportunity. You've given me this favor. You've given me this access. Now, what do you desire for me to do? How can I take advantage of what this opportunity for your glory, for your fame, for your kingdom? Maybe if the walls are broken down, it's because we built our own kingdom and God's saying, I want to restore and build my kingdom in your life. Maybe in our pride and arrogance, we have sought to build up our own thing. And because of that, the enemy's had access and there's reproach and there's pain and there's neglect. But I want to tell you this morning, you can change that with one decision. You can change that with one decision. Second thing, he said, give me. Nehemiah knew exactly what he needed. He needed lumber for the upper beams. He knew the supply because God had been speaking to him. God had been putting things, downloading things in his heart. Specifically what he wanted to do. God is a God of specifics. You need to look at how he built the tabernacle. Very specific. Every measurement, every cloth, every material, everything specific. After the heavenly model. I just feel like this morning God is about to drop on you, some of you, some specifics. God has given you gifts, talents, things. He's been stirring your heart a burden. So he says, give me. I want you to know this morning where God guides, 
He provides. That God gives provision for the vision. In those times of intimacy with the Lord for four months, seeking His face, downloading from heaven, God was giving specifics, telling Him what He needed. He says, ask, seek, knock. So what is it this morning? I feel the Holy Spirit say, ask this question. What would you request this morning? What would you request? What would you request? Can we just close our eyes and for a moment in his presence? What would you request? He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. There are needs for his kingdom, but he's also the supplier. There's nothing too hard for him. If you'll lock into his plan, if you'll cooperate with his purpose, his destiny, his calling on your life, guess what? He's going to provide everything you need to accomplish what he desires. Do you believe that this morning, church? Do you know that this morning? Let's just lift our hands to heaven. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you're moving upon us with your burden, with your desire. God, that even in this season of chaos and crisis and upheaval and things we've never seen, unprecedented times that we are living in, God, that you are still desiring to build and to establish your kingdom, and you're still desiring to rebuild and and restore lives. So, Father, this morning, we, we, we just ask you to come. You are the builder. You're the potter. We are the clay. We submit ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to shape us, mold us. We ask you to build up the walls of salvation in our lives once again. Holy Spirit, we take your burden. And Holy Spirit, we ask for you to begin to speak. Prepare us for what you have next. We trust your timing this morning, Holy Spirit, for the rebuilding, even as even the work you're doing in this church, in this house, God, for every single area of rebuilding that's needing, God. We just commit it to you this morning. Come on, church, let's pray. Every area of ministry, every area, Lord, as you are extending our tent pegs as a church to broaden our influence, whether it be in this community or the nations of the world, God, we commit it to you, Father, this morning. We commit it to you, Lord, Holy Spirit. We ask that you begin to download plans and dreams and aspirations, Lord, in the hearts of your people. God, you've given us areas of influence. You've given us areas, Lord, where we can, Lord, be an influence for your kingdom. But, Lord, we know we cannot do it without your favor and your blessing. So we thank you this morning for your anointing, your favor, your blessing, Holy Spirit. Just speak. Speak to us. Father, we incline our ear to you. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes, Lord. Come on, let's just submit to you. 
Hallelujah. It's a good Father, good God, good plans. Lord, your goodness leads us to repentance. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your grace this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your peace this morning. Thank you, Lord, for restoration. I need things to be rebuilt in my life. I know the enemy has come in like a flood. But the Lord's here this morning to raise up a standard in your life against him. Amen. To raise up a standard in your life. And so I believe when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, Paul told Timothy this. He says, I will keep. This is what God says. I will keep what you have committed to me. Do you get that? He can only keep what we've truly committed to Him. So I would ask you this morning, is there an area of your life where you have not truly committed something to Him? Saying, I'm struggling giving up that area, that plan, that that desire. And I can tell you honestly this morning, whatever it is, whatever you give up, what God gives in place of it will be so much greater there will be no regrets but I'm not going to try to sell you because if you're going to follow the Lord holy there's a price and just as Nehemiah counted the cost knew the supply knew what it would take to build you need to count the cost this morning to follow Jesus holy completely his count the cost are there terms are there conditions that we've laid down are we willing to sign that paper because if you will I can guarantee this his favor, his blessing his guidance, his protection his walls and his gates will be restored in your life 